Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Future Podcast. This is where we talk about the business of design and the changing landscape of what it takes to be a design professional in the 21st century. I'm your host, Chris Doe. Today, I want to dig into our archives and share a popular episode from our YouTube channel. Whenever I train somebody, whenever we indoctrinate people in talking about strategy, they're big believers. The big question that keeps coming up is now, how do I turn around and sell strategy as a service? How do you sell this to your clients? How do you right. sell them to do strategy if you're a designer, if you haven't done this before? And the big thing that we started talking about the other day on the way to Art Center uh, in the car uh, was that even before we talk about sales, there's another topic. Well, you, you need to have a couple of components, and I think one of them is confidence. You really have to be confident in yourself and what you have to offer people before you can even engage in, in anybody about sales. You have to believe in you. So we met at Art Center College of Design uh, a long time ago in a galaxy right. far away, and you seemed pretty confident to me. I was there, but I'm anything but. And it's something I've worked on for, for some time now, and I continue to work on today. So it's something that you know we discussed and we realized, you know what, before we talk about sales, we should talk about confidence. Great. So today we're gonna talk about confidence. That's the word of the day. We talked about whether you were born that way or whether you actually became confident over time. Right. And, and there are three principles that we wanna discuss about confidence today. And, and let's pick up at Art Center. Um, you told me something interesting about how you did it, and this is really using exactly the steps that you've done to work on your confidence over right, time. Right. Tell me a little bit about the first one. Okay, the first one is about finding something that you can anchor yourself around. Call it a pillar, a foundation, something. Uh, most of my life, I, I just wanted to be invisible and to, to not to be noticed. And, and I'm, I'm extremely shy and introverted. I'm that person at the, where you, you see at a party, I'm the one guy standing by myself looking really awkward. That's me. Yes, you are. Right? Now you, on the other hand, are the guy who's weaving through the crowd like a shark and shaking hands with everybody, saying hello, the life of the party. Um, so were you always confident? I was always obnoxious, maybe not always confident, but that's a good question and we talked about that. You know, I, I've definitely always been able to engage um, uh, with people with a lot of, without a lot of reservation. Mm -hmm. um, but what's interesting and, and, and is that it ebbs and flows through life. You know, I lost a lot of my confidence after, you know, uh, closing my agency or after the experience I had in the 90s uh, and that really kind of deflated it. But of course, that's a separate conversation, how do you regain your confidence, but let's talk about how you get it. And you know, the foundation of confidence, what I just heard from you was that it was finding something that you were good at. Now, right. how did you find out that you were good at design and, and at, at, at what you ended up becoming? Right. I guess uh, at an early age, I loved to draw, but I never thought of it as much more than a hobby. And when I realized that design can be a career for me, I started to pursue it. And when I pursued it as a profession, I, I found out that I had some natural talent and I didn't have to work as hard as others and, and I grew really quickly. And once I was able to latch onto that, I, I had to define myself as a designer. And I, I knew then that this was my thing. Some people have sports, some, some people have other kinds of things like cooking or something like that. This was my thing. So I think the first thing that you need to look at in yourself, is, and it could be different. You can be... You can study graphic design, but maybe you're not the best designer, but maybe you're really great at presenting work or at researching. Now, that's what you gotta focus your lens on. Focus on that thing that makes you different, special, and better than most people. Not the best, just better than most people. And build off that. Walk around with that. Because the exterior, the physical self, reflects the interior self, 
right? So when you're looking inward and it's, it's a person who's not sure of themselves, it's projected outwardly, yes. and there's no way you're gonna walk in a room and to sell strategic thinking. So that's the big one, I think. You know what, something that you just said that's interesting is that what, what happens is that if you don't see yourself as that's your thing, that you reflect it outwardly, therefore it's harder to sell. When people see you doing your thing, they say, hey, that's their thing, and they notice right. the talent. So what, what, what I get from what you're saying is that, for me, for example, the equivalent of that was, um, you know, I was good at design, I, was, uh, I like to draw, I was good at that, but the thing that I was actually really good at was actually people. And, and sharing and speaking, right? So when I got out of school, out of design school, I had a lot of trouble with my professional career. I almost got fired from my first job wow. from Racerfish because I was all over the fucking place. I didn't want to show up at work on time ever. I, I just, some I, things I'll, don't change. Some things don't change. I just wanted to socialize and hang out, right? Some things don't change. <laughs> so, but here's what ended up happening. Yes. My bosses, saw that and they actually uh, helped me focus it. So I was good at people and mm -hmm. at selling. Mm -hmm. So they helped me just do that. Oh, they recognized that they in They recognized you. it in me. I see. And I asked, I want to know more about the business. And they're like, oh, you know, he's good with people. You know, send him to another office to do art direction or creative direction. So over time, I, I, my foundation was that. I think you were really lucky that you had bosses that could see, um, see that skill within you and that, that ability. Because otherwise, you would have been stuck doing what other designers do, and it allowed you to grow within the company, that ability to interface with clients. Many designers are very much like me, where the last thing that we want to do is actually talk to another human being. It's why we work on computers all day. It's, it's the classic profile. Some, something like 90% of, you know, of designers are introverts. That is very We like true. to work on our art and our craft, and we don't really want to interact with people. That it was for true. me. Like, that was my career choice, or it was to be an accountant. Wow, you would have been a good accountant. My though. personality. You would have been a great accountant. Um, <laughs> but here, here's what I was thinking: when you're around people that are really comfortable with who they are, they don't challenge you, they don't question you, they don't judge you, and that's something that people gravitate towards. Think about that. Uh, it, it happens to be that uh, people that are religious or are kind of uh, very spiritual tend to be very comfortable in their own skin, and it's not about how much money they make or the possessions that they have. They're just walking around comfortable in their own skin and they, they exude a certain amount of confidence and it's very calming for people. So I think that's the key. You're not fronting. You're not fronting and fronting will kill you, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're getting ahead of ourselves. So let's talk about the second right. principle. So you're, here you are, you're at Art Center, you found out you're a great designer. Uh, they, that's what your thing I, I is. I told myself I was. No, you were actually, I remember you in school. I found out at, at my first job that I was good with people um, and we built that foundation, but then how do we go to the next step? How did you take it from the foundation? Well, the other thing was, okay, so n now I w at least I knew I was good at something. I was terrible at everything else, but I'm good at design. And then what I noticed was there, there was a guy who, um, who wasn't particularly good looking or overly charismatic or didn't have a lot of money, but he carried himself in a certain way and, and we became friends. And so what I was doing was I was modeling myself, not like blue steel model, but modeling right. after somebody else. Basically, I was copying him. I was studying him as if we were in a play and I was the understudy to a great actor. I was gonna pretend to be like him, his mannerisms, how he carried himself, how he spoke to people. And he would go out of his way to say, hello, how are you doing? And follow up with people. And he was very comfortable at doing that. And I thought, let me just try that. Let me just copy some of those 
traits that he would exhibit and see how it would work. And it, it felt good. It felt good to look people in the eye and say hello and shake their hand and, and ask them how their day was going. That's interesting. You know, I asked you this before. I mean, mm -hmm. did you naturally know that modeling was a great way of doing it or you just intuitively figured it out? I think I intuitively figured it out because I didn't even, if you asked me then what the term was, I wouldn't even know. I copied him, basically. I looked at this person and said, he is no better off in life than me. He has no particular advantage over me. Yeah. Had he been, and I knew guys that were semi, you know, they were part-time models, like literally model for photo shoots and things like that. And they came from really wealthy backgrounds. They had everything handed to them in life, right? So everything was great. I could not relate to that person, but this person in particular, I could relate to. So in, in today's kind of sharing culture and economy, I think you can come up to people within your circle and ask them, would you be willing to be my mentor? Yeah, that's a really right? good one in terms of being explicit about the ability to really let people know that you're modeling them. And I know that it sounds like it's unique, not unique or inauthentic to really say, hey, I want to be just like you. But you know what? Masters like that. If you go up to yeah, somebody and say, look, absolutely. I would like to talk to you, have coffee, and know more how you did what you did, you know, because I admire you, that's awesome because the master feels great and you get an opportunity to very much model them, meaning with them knowing that right. you're doing it. So you might get better tips on how to be a better actor. That's right. You know? That's correct. And, and I think we talked about this before about going for the ask. So the ask would be something very simple like this where... I know you're a really busy person and I admire you very much and I don't want you to get creeped out by this. Thank but you for admiring for, me. For any, awesome. any little bit of time that you can share with me, I find it very beneficial for myself to kind of study you, kind of get into your head, your process, so that I, I can one day be more like you. Who, who's going to say no to that? Nobody's going to say no to that. And, and, we, and we, that happens to us today. And there's people who ask us today and you make fun of me that say yes to everybody, which is not true. But the one thing that I want to do before we transition to the next one, yeah. uh, which is a really important one, is to add to what you just said about asking somebody that understand that they say, if they say no or if you don't get a response or they're not, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean it's okay. That, it's okay. It's all right. It doesn't mean they don't like you. It doesn't mean that you, know, you messed up. It doesn't mean anything. It just means something else. They might be busy, et cetera. There's a thousand reasons why. I'm really, ad I admire, you know, there, and there's somebody who came in here recently uh, and, and she comments and everything. Um, uh, on, on our shows, etc., and I, I appreciate that. And I wanted to do it more, um, and I and I didn't pay a lot of attention during her visit. But afterwards, I followed up and I said, "Look, I love what you're doing. I love how aggressive you were. I let her spend time with you so that I can deal with my stuff." But then I told her afterwards, "You know, keep on doing that because mm -hmm. and keep on engaging in uh, in the virtual world, on, you know, in the, uh, in the socials." And the most important thing I said is, "Let the people that you want to model know where you are." Right. Like show them across the social medias, et cetera. Here's where I am, here's what I'm accomplishing. You know why? So wait a minute. You're saying you're too busy, so you dumped her onto me? Is no, that what happened? That's not what I'm saying. I think that's what you just no, said. No, I, I think that, but there's something that you do really well that I don't, which is you are a much better coach, less prescriptive. Thanks for saying that. And listen better. And also, for me, and, and I'm, I'm admitting it here on air. It's a test. It's not a test. I want to see how resolved the person is. Oh, I see. Um, and I, I'm also, it's a cue system. I mean, I'm helping one person already, and it's a lot of my time, right? What's the word you said? It's a... A cue. A cue. Like, you spell that. <laughs> no, you spell that. I'm not Asian. <laughs> I'm not Asian. Oh, Asians are Q good at math and yeah, spelling. Okay. And so are Indian people. Q-U-E-U? No. Q-U-E? Whatever, dude. A cue. Anyway, let's go on to the next thing. So modeling, model, uh, not Zoolander, but more copying the people that you like and that you do. Right. Model. There's, there's another term. It's, it's fake it till you make it. 
So I don't like that term though. Well, well you know, it works. You. It works. Okay. What you're doing is you're pretending to be somebody that you want to be, and it takes the pressure off you. When you wear a mask at a party, you 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 can you're liberated. You're from liberated your, from your, your, your true identity. identity. That's right. Okay. So, for example, I can walk in a room and today I'm going to try a new thing. I'm going to pretend to be popular person. I'm going to pretend to be that person I, I admire so much. I'm just going to be like them. It's a different way of looking at it. So how about, let's call it this. How about try it on for size? Okay. That's better than fake it till you Is that get a pickup line? No, that's okay. not. No, that's not a pickup line. Uh, it could be. Uh, try it on for size. Um, all right, so let's talk Sorry. about the not knowing, the third one. Okay. All right, so here's a very smooth transition for that one. So we, we so there's modeling, and one of the things that we know uh, for us is that when we're selling strategy, when we're walking in in front of the client, the, the worst thing mm -hmm. that you can do is uh, knowing everything and, and being close mm -hmm. to, you know, the client's already afraid. The client doesn't know, they're, they're afraid and, and nervous about things. Yeah. So what is it that most designers do in that case scenario? Well, I, I think a lot of people are reluctant to go into a room and be the center of attention as a facilitator. Every, all eyes are on you, everybody's looking at you, and, you, and you think you have to have all the answers, right? So what, what I do is actually, I kind of diffuse the situation right away when I walk into a room. Uh, what I do is undersell, over deliver, right? So I'm gonna go in the room and I'll say something like this, if you're selling a strategy. Recently, I've incorporated strategy into my practice, something that I've learned that I think that would be of great benefit to you. And I'm still learning, and so if you're willing, if we could do this exercise together, and I think you will find it to be very valuable. So I've diffused the situation. I've said, you know, I, I don't know what I'm doing, essentially, but I think I'm, I can help you, and if, if you're willing to try, we can do this together. And that sets the bar very low. That takes all the pressure off of me, and I don't have to have all the answers. And oftentimes I go into the room and say, I don't know anything about your line of business, but I would love to learn. So what I'm hearing also is that there is a there is a diffusion. I don't know everything. You know your business better than I do. But then the last thing you said right there was that um, that I'm here to learn equally, so that you're in it together. There is no like you're the client. I'm the right. expert. And I, I'm an expert at something. In your case, design. But because you're doing strategy as a new thing, you're telling them, hey, here's something that we're trying out new. Try it out with us. Right. And I even say something like. Um there, no amount of research and preparation I can do will prepare me to know the things that you know, given your experience and, and knowledge. So I want to learn from you. I want to dig into the problem with you. So I'm also setting up the stage that I'm, um, I'm going to be paying attention. I'm going to be listening very carefully. That so you're enrolled. Yes, and I don't want so to make open. any assumptions. That's the other part, right? I don't want to make any assumptions. But I'm going to ask you lots of questions, and there are going to be lots of why questions. And if you don't have the answer, that's okay. We'll just keep digging around. It's really interesting that you say that because if you immediately uh, have that idea that you know everything or that, you know, that makes the client even more nervous because they don't want to be wrong in front of somebody else. They're as much on stage as you are. In That's a good point. Never thought about that. Um, but look at this. What if you said something that you weren't 100% sure of and you, and you threw it out there and you said it very emphatically? And if that person knew, they would know that you're, you're making stuff up and all confidence would go out the door. Yeah. Now they're going to start to test you all the time. Yeah. So it's much better to come in to a situation like that and be comfortable not knowing and admitting that. And oddly enough, it takes a lot of confidence to admit, to admit you don't that. know. <laughs> so it's almost like a loop. 
It is. It's, it's and Ty was saying it was like uh, one of those paradoxes. A paradox. It's a loop. It's a paradox of you have to diffuse yourself and say, hey, I'm not an expert. I, you know more than I do. Uh, you have to have the confidence to say that you don't know. Yes. Um, so basically the third one is, you know, knowing that you don't know. So basically it's not knowing. So we have three. We have basically the foundation, modeling, again, not, not the, the Vogue version of modeling, but like copying or emulating size emulating emulating yeah. Ooh, emulating is a great word for modeling mm -hmm. and then not knowing being okay with not knowing so That's those right. are the three things right so you have a foundation of what you're good at know yourself model or uh, emulate others and then uh, admit that you don't know that the client knows more about their industry than you do and now you have an open field and now you just have to listen that's right shit but that's hard listening is hard it can be so that might make for a good that might be other topic episode, yeah? yeah all right yeah. but so, you're a very good listener so you were going to say that. But you know what? So here's the one benefit for my, my designer friends that are out there that are really introverted. And I won't go into stories about how awkward and weird I am because I am. You know who right. you are. You know who you are. So yeah, here's you, the thing. you. When I'm in a room uh, before, I don't want to say anything. I don't want to be noticed. I don't want to be judged by what I say or don't know. Right? So a lot of times when somebody's saying, uh, using a term or referencing something, everybody in the room's nodding their head. Yeah. I'd be that guy who's like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. Well, the inverse of that, or the kind of side benefit to that is, you become a really good listener. Ah. And so mm -hmm. I've had this before, just due to my own shyness. People would walk away and it's like, I can see you're really thinking. What are you thinking about? Right now? No, that's what they would <laughs> oh, say to me. I thought you were asking me. Yeah. Right? Acting. Uh, right. That's what they would say. And truth be told, I, I didn't have this gigantic conceptual idea. It was just I was really listening. So for those people that are out there that have a hard time in social spaces, use that skill you already have. It's built into you. Well, the shy people can do that because they're already shy and they're already kind of introverted. That's people right. like me, they're ready to talk. And they're like, blah, blah, blah. and it's funny that in our interactions in here, I'll give you a few things to notice that I do when I'm interviewing or when I'm talking with Chris. You notice this? I'm like... Hmm. That's the body That's language for I'm thinking. Also, I'm playing with my beard, so it's kind of like entertaining. I can do something while I'm doing it. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. What if you're Asian and you don't have a lot of facial hair? You're fucked. But yeah. um, you're screwed. Sorry. That's the right way of saying that. So the second one is, you know, I have coffee. I'm like, oh, I'm entertaining myself. These are tricks that you're doing, is what you're saying. They're not for, tricks. For ADD? I'm so fidgety. You are. That, that if I don't, like, do that, I'm not going to be focused on you. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. So it's a... It's, also taking notes, like, oh, here's what I heard. I'm listening for cues in what you're saying and then writing them down so I can follow up with them versus interrupting you. Because mm -hmm. I could totally interrupt you and say, oh, so it's about being yourself or seeing someone else and copying them. It sounds like you're learning, right? So I'm just taking notes instead of yeah. doing it right away. All right, Okay. now we're talking about listening too much. So that last one, not knowing, you do it really well. I've seen you do it. I've seen trainers do it really well. Look, I'm good at this. I'm not good at all these other things. I'm a jackass, like they introduce themselves and they put themselves down. Like why would you do that? In front of a group of people that you're about to train or? Make everybody feel comfortable. Make everybody feel comfortable. Um, that's interesting that that's what it takes. I don't mean to be that, that person who's arrogant because that's usually the opposite side which is you don't have a lot of confidence so you come across and you, you overcompensate for the lack of real confidence, right? Yeah. So when, when I mess up, I just say to people, I'm sorry, I messed up. I did that wrong. Can we just do this one more time? Yeah. It's, it's my fault. I don't try to pretend like nothing happened. Yeah. You acknowledge the I acknowledge breakdown. it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was a better word. Thank you. Let me use that word instead. Yeah. 
Oh, that's even a better idea. And you're not nervous about not knowing. That's a very 20th century thing. You're a designer. You need to know everything. If you don't know, you're an idiot. Or you're a consultant and you need to know and you everything. Need to know everything. No. Yeah. I think ego gets in the way of you admitting that you don't know what you're talking about. They're, they're, yes. they're opposed, right? So your ego says, I have to be a smart person or I have to be wealthier than this person. And it, it comes into this place where I think, and this is something I struggle with, this, this voice in my head that says, I don't belong, that I don't belong here. When I go into a room full of, say, advertising executives, I'm the only guy, I'm the outsider. And it's about overcoming that and saying, no, I do belong. The right. reason why they're having this meeting with me is because they've already vetted me and made the decision that they would like to invite me to the meeting. And you know what's funny? That they're thinking the same thing. Do I don't belong as an advertising executive at this agency because I'm a musician turned art director turned executive at an ad agency. I'm faking this whole thing yeah. and it's going to go away and I'm going to be broke. And, and any day now, somebody's going to reveal gonna figure my out that I'm a fake. Right. So I think that every, and it's called imposter syndrome, everybody, entrepreneurs, executives, everybody suffers from the same thing. Well, the other side of this too is if you have this giant ego and you're, you're scared because you have the imposter syndrome, a lot of times what you wind up doing is you start bullying people. You start putting people down to, to position yourself higher. Neutralizing that is a lot of it, you know, mastery of your own thoughts of time and getting old, that helps. But um, that's interesting that you say that because we all suffer from that. I mm. suffer from it. Okay. You know, I, I walk into a room and I feel the same way. Um, and, and, you know, ultimately, I think what you said earlier, that being able to acknowledge your mistakes and, you know, be comfortable with saying, you know, I'm not perfect and here's who I am, is the only thing that diffuses that issue. Right. You know, it's like some people even diffuse that live. Like, look, I'm, I don't even know why I have this job. And that's kind of cool. It's funny. You know, some, you, you don't front even at an executive level. Sure. I've had CEOs say that. So I'm lucky I have this job as CEO because, right. you know, something happened and right. I got into this position. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Future. The theme song was composed by Adam Sanborn and edited by my trusty sidekick and friend Aaron Zakelli. I'm the show's producer. Please check out our store at thefutureishere.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave us a review. It would really help us out.